All right, Biz Dads, episode six, the second weekend May. Excited to be here with you again, Andres. We got a crazy weekend with Mother's Day. Lots of sports. A lot of things are happening in the sports business and in business. Can't wait to talk about all of it. We've got some special guests joining us today. The Biz Moms, the reason that we're able to do this. Some last dance talk, MLB, UFC. Got some interesting stuff across the banking industry. And uh, a great parenting fail. I can't wait to hear that story, brother. Finally, we're going to end up with our final four. Which sports are you looking forward to coming back the most? Let's get into it. This week's Biz Dads. All right, Andres. Passing grade, failing grade, Mother's Day. How was it? How'd you do? Well, I mean, you know, you're not supposed to judge your own uh, test, right? But I mean, every indication is I think it went pretty well. Heidi, she got to relax. She had a couple drinks. I'd say the only thing I wish I would have done is I'd have gotten a little bit ahead on ordering a couple little Mother's Day gifts. Stuff just came late or shocker. I got to the ordering late, but uh, all in all, it was good. I hope I earned at least a B. Well, we had a good time. You know, we had special requests from mom. She wanted a charcuterie board. So the boys and I went to uh, went to work on that during the week. Every good biz dad out there, we got to know how to make a good, strong charcuterie board for your entertaining. We should do a whole episode one day about you know hosting a party, proper DJing, F and B, how to have your bar set up. We should do that. Sounds like a good one out there like for it. guys like Will, you know. But we got the uh, charcuterie board set up. We were fortunate enough through a, a total mishap that was no one's fault, but we were able to get the special MTH bagels from our local uh, great restaurant and pizza shop here. They're doing these amazing bagels. It was delicious, man. So we had a good time. And I, I will tell you, her gift came today. So I was a little behind on that one. But you know, all in all, I think she was appreciative. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a different Mother's Day, right? I mean, with the shutdown and restaurants kind of limited to carry out and curbside pickup. Yeah, we went and did a, an outdoor picnic. The weather was awesome, as I mentioned. So I spent most of the Saturday morning kind of running around getting all of Heidi's favorites. You know, all in all, it was it was fun. You know, we got a chance to, to FaceTime with, with our moms back in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, she's on the clock for Father's Day, as they say, right? <laughs> That's right. But our good friend started this incredible business. And, and um, I was able to take some flowers up to my mom and take the boys. Nana loved seeing the boys. So that was probably the best Mother's Day we've had in quite some time because, you know, we took the minute to make it a little extra special and go up and see her. And obviously we kept our distance, but it was great. And she just missed the boys. And I think all in all, uh, all the moms in my life got a, had a special day. Yeah. We were hoping to have a bunch of people visiting. We had a, a first communion, as you know, Ben uh, was also yeah, preparing for to get rescheduled for the fall. So. Yep. We were, uh, yeah, so that got rescheduled. So we were supposed to have, you know, my folks in town, my wife's folks in town, you know, siblings. So that got canceled. And then just the normal Saturday baseball, softball, we had birthday parties planned. So, you know, we uh, we just had to adjust and make the most of it. Well, you know, our next guests are pretty good on the fly. You know, we wouldn't be doing okay. this thing if uh, our wives that we, if they weren't here, they weren't doing what they do, we wouldn't be able to do this, right? So we thought, what a better way to show our love and appreciation than to have them on the podcast. I mean, this is a special chair to sit in, right? Um, but let's take some some time to introduce uh, our beautiful bride. So why don't you take it first? 
Well, thank you, Brad. What an honor it is to be joined tonight by my lovely bride, Heidi Sandate. My daughter snuck out of bed and is joining us as well. So hi, Frankie, and hi, Heidi. Welcome to Biz Dads, episode six. Um, Heidi and I have been married 10 years. We'll be 11 here in a couple of weeks. We got married one weekend before the Aleckis, so we are tied to you guys. You know, we're very fortunate. My mother-in-law often said, you're lucky if you can find one couple in your life where the husband and the wife get along really well. And I think we're fortunate in that regard. So with no further ado, Biz Nation, let me introduce the lovely Heidi Sandate. What's up, Biz Dads? Hey, Ann. Hey, Margaret Ann. Hides, as we call her. Let me step in and introduce my uh, my super mom, super mom number two of the group here, coming in at five foot ten from Birmingham, Alabama. Miss Margaret Ann Olecki. Margaret Ann is patient above all else. She puts up with uh, me first of all, and our two boys, Ben and Andrew. She is the epitome of a boy mom. Uh, gets probably more joy out of youth sports than I do, but she is super at everything she does. I'm just glad to have her here. Margaret Ann, say hello. Hey, gang. Thanks for having us. Uh, the Biz Dad Nation out there probably has been looking forward to this episode because they're going to get the real dirt on the Biz Dads. We decided we would do a little Q&A here, talk to our beautiful wives. We said at the very beginning of this that we outkicked our coverage, and that is very much the truth. You'll even identify more with that once you've listened to their answers here. But let's get started. You guys, uh, tell us, you know, no holds barred here. We're going to ask you a few questions. So first, we've got to tell the story about how all four of us met. So you guys give us your version of how the four of us got together and got to be great friends. So Heidi and I met probably almost 15 years ago now through a women in sports and event networking, uh, just a luncheon. We immediately hit it off. We had a mutual friend who introduced us, who was a neighbor of Heidi's and a coworker of mine. We ended up going to that to her wedding, and it was really that wedding night that that both of the men met for the very first time and really kind of solidified and and uh, they figured out, hey, we like each other. So I'll let you take the rest of that story, Heidi. So yeah, here we are at this amazing ballroom in the middle of Buckhead, Atlanta, so sophisticated, and we bring our boyfriends at the time to the wedding reception of the century, and Brad and Andres, well, my husband loves to dance. He loves a good dance party. And so Brad, I did not know this, also does as well. And he decided to use the amazing Apple centerpieces of the wedding reception during a song that I think you all know called Apple Bottom Jeans. And he looked like a roasted suckling pig walking around the dance floor with a large apple in in between his mouth. (laughs) No need for uh, jokes about my weight on the podcast. (laughs) Nothing like that. I I don't know if the listeners caught that, but it was the apple centerpieces that Brad was taking out of the centerpiece to use as a dance prop. <laughs> Made a very good first impression. No dance party is complete without a good prop, Andres. I don't know if you I agree there. Say, clearly, Andres loved it. And... Definitely approved in my book. <laughs> Immediately, major points were scored in the friend book on that move. You know, the funniest thing about that is it was a beautiful wedding, but I didn't know the bride or the groom. Um, I think I'd met the bride once or twice. And it was it was a great Friday Friday evening wedding, and I was like, "Do we have to go to a wedding? Like, I don't know anybody here." And of course, luckily there was a bar, 
and I got the courage to uh, make friends, and it turned into lifelong <laughs> friendships that we've celebrated a couple weddings together. And the only reason we didn't celebrate our weddings together is because they were a week apart. But uh, thank you to the, that lyrical you know, genius for apple bottom jeans and for those delicious uh, sour apples. I'm just glad there were no boots with fur there, Brad. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a sight to see. That'll be on our ski trip. Well, now that the entire world knows that I drink and dance too much and Andres is a great dancer, we'll move on. The real meat and potatoes of this interview is going to come here in these next two questions. So we'll start with the positive. Tell us your favorite part of your biz dad hubby. Gosh, after being with somebody for almost 11 years, dating for eight years, we have had been together for a long time. I should just roll off my tongue, but I would say his sincerity. He is a very genuine, acts like you are the only person in the room when he talks to you, and he can definitely command an audience that way. So I would say his sincerity. That is amazing. I would say <laughs> it was not it was not his commitment that counts. <laughs> it, it took quite a long time to gain that. <laughs> this is a word of advice to all the biz dads out there. You're gonna have regrets in your life. Don't don't let one of them be the life love slipping away because you feel like you need to get your financial house in order or whatever. I'm very blessed that Heidi was very patient with me. But all the biz dads out there just know that these great these great ladies, they don't wait forever. So move quick, be decisive, and make it happen. Amen, Andy. But you know what? I want to address something there. The maturity of the answer of getting your financial house in order. Most people aren't waiting around to get their financial house in order before at, they get married. At, 20, at 27. Well, I had to because she was organized and she did have her stuff in order. And I, I just needed to make sure that I, you know, entering this union that I had my stuff together. I mean, I wasn't a total disaster, but I mean, I lived in Europe for three years and I had, you know, gotten a couple degrees. And so... Some big just, green TV. It just took it just took a minute. So yeah, I mean that's my advice. You know, wait wait until you're ready, but don't wait too long. And also my advice was every time you go on those boys trips, that should increase a carrot size. <laughs> <laughs> we'll delete that from the podcast, Dan. We'll Sounds that's like gonna have to be edited to out. Happen. All right, babe. <laughs> All right, so my favorite part, you're right, Heidi, it should probably roll off the tongue now. But I think the favorite part about Brad is that it's not really an adjective, but he's a renaissance man. He he's, can do everything, and if he can't do it, he's not afraid to try to learn something. You know, mm. he's good at sports. He can do scouting. He can put up a tent. He knows how to make a fire. He can cook. Like, he's just well-rounded, and if he's not well-rounded, he's confident enough to try it. I love that about him. Babe, I will always <laughs> pitch a tent for you. So, <laughs> taking on... I feel small right now because okay. i can't do any of that stuff. now to the next question my least favorite part about my husband <laughs> the perfect the perfect transition dear oh gosh in Go all honesty it. my least favorite part and heidi mentioned this it's talk me out of something brad he's just a little <laughs> excessive sometimes whether it's going overboard on the charcuterie board or going overboard with the size of the television or should I go on? I think they get the point. Yeah. It's just a little excessive sometimes, and he needs to be talked down from whatever that excessiveness is surrounding at the time. Go, go big, big or go, go home. home. I mean, I think that honestly might be what brings them together, because I would probably say that is the exact um, least favorite part of my biz dad as well, would be, <laughs> <laughs> would be the excessiveness, or as I like to call it, 
hoarding that happens in our house. You've seen our garage. You've not maybe been up to the man cave on the third floor that we're filming. And I uh, say the need for more, but... It's also good because he he always, you know, needs more information, needs, you know, to learn more. So it helps him in some things. In other regards, it's it's excessive. You're right. Uh, You guys just you're passing the flying colors here. Um, Before we get into I want to I want to end this with a little bit of advice to our future biz mom there twist. But since we are in the middle of this 24 hour family cycle, since we are spending all of this wonderful time together. I think it's probably important for those dads out there to get a sense for a handful of things that, you know, moms, whether they're, they're stay at home moms, working moms, just overall busy ladies. What are some of the things that you don't love doing that we should help with more around the house? I'm sure we could both lift stuff, cooking, laundry, folding, whatnot. But I think for me, it's more of, um, like the mental checklist aspect of being a mom and having your husband think about what that means. And Heidi, you can probably help me explain it, but like there's always things to do that fathers may not be aware of or attuned to that. That's always in a mother's mind. Right. That you don't want to have to tell them because that would be nagging, but you want them to realize that it needs to be done. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I think that there's plenty of those things throughout the... I think I heard we need to be able to read their minds, Brad. Is that correct? I think that is... I I was reading an article about this, Andres, no no joke. It was talking about the stress that mothers have that they're not telling you about. I don't think I told you I read this, but it was this... It was a fascinating article because the whole article is basically like the weight that they are carrying, they want us to understand what that weight is but they don't necessarily know how to express it outside of the frustration point that they get to when it's boiled over. And we've all been a part of that. (laughs) Oh, that's just because we're multitasking with like tenfold different things. So it's hard to communicate (laughs) sometimes when your mind's going a million different directions. But yeah, I think during quarantine, at least it's just like entertainment for my kids at this point. I'm like, just, just do something construction constructive or helpful with them or educational get them on off the screens and off the trampoline and do something to help their minds a little bit um because yeah i'm running out of ideas (laughs) got a long way to go sister and what i'm gathering here andres is this could be a whole nother segment i think they have a lot longer list than they're letting on i think all the moms out there are going to want to hear more and there's a lot more good stories so and I think they're being kind. Very, very yeah. kind. This is their first time on. It's only our sixth episode. Let's catch them at episode 60 after we've been doing this yeah. for a few months. All right. Well, look, let's end on a positive note or maybe not. Twist. We've talked about future biz dad, Will, William, little Willie. So we, uh, we need to give him some advice. So ladies, what advice would you give Twist on how to handle and craft the best future biz dad that she can? First, you need to have him like load a dishwasher because that will tell you a lot about them. <laughs> uh, Brad probably wouldn't married me if that was the case. That's so true. <laughs> I'm left-handed, so I tend to do things backwards from what he does. Though. Oh well, we just tend to do things at a diagonal instead of straight through. 
I would say don't be afraid to be yourself. Like, be totally raw and totally real with them because that's <laughs> always going to be their looks can fade. But I, I think it's good to show your real side earlier in the in the trenches with later on good segue for you brad good segue <laughs> I, I don't i haven't told too many people this story but one of the things that i knew margaret ann was going to be around for a long time she was very much herself and i was very much myself and it ended up working out we were on a trip to a georgia football game in columbia south carolina and my alma mater was also playing that same weekend at uh, a smaller school outside of columbia and i used to dip back in the day and we had a car full of people because there was a bunch of guys and a bunch of girls all had gone out we crashed a bachelor party they crashed a bachelor party so we go out and we watched the football game and one margaret ann went in and watched the game so i knew oh this girl's pretty interested but then i threw a dip in and drove back and i heard from the back seat i heard her best friend go "Ooh, he dips and i heard her go Oh, don't worry. I'll talk him out of that. Or I'll, no, I'll break I'll, that habit. I'll break him of that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> Guess who doesn't dip anymore? <laughs> it's true. She wore me down. Uh, wise woman right there. Wise woman. <laughs> so, yeah, Anne, see, you need to marry somebody, Anne, that will change his, his ways for you. It's hard to do. Yep. Well, biz moms, I can't thank you guys enough for joining us. I know you are the... Uh, the rocks that allow us to be biz dads. Thanks for letting us do this crazy podcast. Yeah. Andres, big thanks, right? We were very appreciative. I have to say we are. We're, we're two lucky guys. And so another last piece of advice to you, Anne, and to your hubby-to-be is don't take those little things for granted because when your life speeds up and you start adding children and you start your careers, it gets really you know, hard. And so one thing I think a lot of families have found through all this is that they've been able to kind of reconnect in a way, which I think has been good. Ladies, thank you for joining us. And thanks for everything that you do. Thank you guys. Love y'all. Margaret Ann, wine time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Andres, I don't know how we top that. I mean, we go back to the boring old world of sports and business. Hopefully we haven't lost some listeners. Then they know a little bit more about us. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Heidi was I was asking her a couple of weeks ago, I was like, would you ever come on the podcast? And she's like, no, that's your thing. That's your and Brad's thing. And I was like, you know, I, th- I think it'd be cool for people out there that are hearing us talk to hear, you know, the other side of the equation, who else is, you know, in our life, especially, you know, your, your spouse. So I was glad they could come on. It was cool. And then, you know, the fact that they're such good friends, it's definitely going to, we're going to need a part two. Maybe well, and part considering two they're upstairs now talking about us and probably making fun of us for this whole uh, podcast thing is probably what we should actually record that's probably the podcast most people want to listen to i sprung this on margaret ann about uh two hours before we actually recorded so needless to say i gave her about the same amount of uh preparation time that i usually give her so she was good to go um crazy week in sports let's get into a little biz dad sports talk andres uh episode seven and eight this week on uh, on the last dance i got a chance to watch it it was uh, it was all about Jordan and this drive and this personality or persona that he has that, man, I mean, it didn't shine a great light on him, but you can't blame the guy. There's never been a competitor like him. Therefore, he shouldn't be judged like others, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I was going to ask you, I think it would probably be interesting if we all went back and thought about coaches that we've had, teachers that we've had, 
sometimes it's a parent, maybe it's a boss that drove you kind of crazy and they kind of almost crossed the line at times, hopefully never physical like Jordan got with some of his players. But in the end, like the takeaway from all of that, even as these guys are now, you know, in their 60s, 50s and 60s, I think all of them are looking back and and obviously time heals a lot of wounds, right? It's it was kind of interesting to hear a lot of them say, look, he ultimately just wanted to win and he was willing to go to almost any length to get the absolute best out of me. And that was just something that kind of took away from, you know, watching him and how he handled his teammates is that he saw something in them that they might not have seen in themselves. And I think any great coach, you know, any great teacher, uh, I think it's a great lesson in business um, is you're trying to just get the best out of your people. I mean, obviously there's limits, but in, in the professional sports world, that era when there was less social media and there was, he was able to craft that team in his image and they had a lot of success. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that was so incredible to me to witness was all of the emotion that came not only out of him, but came out of the teammates that were in the middle with him. I mean, the guy's drive is unparalleled. You know, they talked about that from from Kobe and the Black Mamba mentality, and you obviously see it in, in every, you know, great athlete. But I don't know if it's to this extent that you had the coach on the floor that is also the greatest player. Um, now, you had the Phil Jackson, but I mean, obviously, Jordan was the one driving that. And from him and Steve Kerr getting into it, and a guy who's seen everything in Steve Kerr in that business, for him to say, you know what? We talked about it afterwards. He apologized. We both knew what was going on. We moved on. And that was the moment that the team really clicked and they just took off. Yeah. That's what sport, that's what makes sports so great, man. It's those types of moments that you can. You can step outside of what people would consider a normal interaction. There's also the opportunity, you know, second chances live in sports better than they do anywhere else in the world. And I think what I hope doesn't happen with this whole pandemic and these kids not being able to play organized sports right now is they don't quit on those sports because that is the true developmental tool, in my opinion, for how you evolve into a business leader. You know, organized sports, team sports have such an impact and this last dance has been the perfect example of that, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, if you you played obviously university, you played college sports at a you know university division one, and so what was that for you, Brad, when you left the the structure of competition and training and coaches and specialization? Like, did you feel like you needed to go into a career? And this is kind of for some of our younger you know listeners out there who are transitioning into the professional world and they're in that first year two three years tell me about that transition for you like going from that structure and competition to being out there making a living earning a living like did you how did that go for you you know i appreciate you asking that i actually had a another podcast i was interviewed on that i think comes out in, in early june and it's a it's a podcast about you know, ex-college athletes. And, um, she asked the same question. It was interesting for me because I knew after a great career was lucky enough to be a team captain and receive a couple, you know, recognitions for my play. I also knew that because of the injuries that I had faced through my career, I was never going anywhere else as an athlete that for me, business was the next step. 
you talked about it early on. You talked about coaches who drove you, and I had one of those. And my offensive coordinator was also my offensive line coach, Coach Coach Gary Dunn, who's now the head coach with a bunch of you know coached a bunch of lucky kids at Cal Penn, and he was on me, man. He was on me. He actually joked at some point I'd be working at a gas station. You know, he drove me. He challenged me enough. He ridiculed me to the point of not being mean, not being rude or not being a for lack of a better term a dick he was literally driving me to be better he was making sure I attended class on time he was making sure I was doing the right things because he knew I could be a leader on his line and he drove me that way and those are the kind of things that I missed the most coming out was that level of competition you know I turned competition I, I turned the, the the quencher of that thirst for me was work was business it was, how am I going to win the next job that I wanted to win? You know, not too many people know this, but I almost didn't get into the sports business because I had interviewed for a job at 3M and I was one of eight people interviewing for this all day long interview. And I was, I was the most underexperienced there by at least 15 years. And for me, it was like, that was the type of competitive moment. Where do I, how do I get in there and how do I get this job interview? Now I ended up turning down an incredible $45,000 a year job in a company car in three cities at 23 years old, which my dad thought I was an idiot to take an internship at, you know, at a a college bowl game that turned into this career today. But it was that level of competition and that level of drive that that got me excited. So I turned that into my career. Right. And I think not enough people do that. Not enough people realize that there the competition exists in anything like Jordan. Anything you want there to be a competition around, you can create a competition. Yeah, I mean, there's two things that, that I wanted to throw out there, especially to our listeners and, and especially to your cohorts, because I think it's easy early on in your career to run away from or step away from or transition out of a role where you feel like the boss is a jerk or the boss is unfair. The boss is, you know, never recognizes the hard work you've put in. And, and I've found in my career that those are oftentimes the moments where you grow the most. And I think all those players that played under Jordan probably admit that those were the best years of their NBA career. I mean, because they were winning and nothing's better than winning, baby. No doubt. The other thing that I took away from the show and then listening to you, Brad, is that you have to kind of create and Jordan was is the master at this. Um, you have to create something internal to get you going sometimes. For Jordan, it was using any little slight that whether it was real or in the case of, you know, this week's episodes, we saw it turns out years later was his own creation. Right. Just to give himself that extra edge to go out and just want to destroy his opponent. And so I think in business and in, you know, and in life, bringing it back down to kind of the real world is, you know, whatever that is, I think you have to, they have to, they have to be. Sometimes they have to be internal motivators and sometimes they have to be sort of external motivators. But but I think that's, you know, really common sense advice. But I think it's important for people to hear it kind of throughout their career. No doubt. Um, The things that he created, the stories that people are hearing now about him having that that mental drive is so important. Going back to the leadership and entrepreneurship, things that we talked about and being able to have that that control over your mental toughness, your grit those kind of yeah. things. I mean, he had it better than anybody. Yeah. 
So, you know, one of the other things that really spoke to me in this show was the relationship he had with his dad. The way that he, you know, had that relationship with his father, his father there, the tragedy that struck, and of course, how his career changed, his career path changed drastically from that moment forward to say things like, my dad got to see my last game, helped drive his decision to retire and then you know, go play baseball. And if it wasn't for the baseball strike, does he ever come back? Who knows? But I think it's just so important that we have to continue to focus on the importance of the roles we play as dads. You know, so we talk a little bit about advice to the younger generation of, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, make sure you make time to be there because the impact that you're having on your kids, whether they're the greatest athlete of all time or they're, they become, you know, a scientist, they want that support. They need that support. Even the greatest athlete of all time was changed when his dad wasn't there to support him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so true. I, you know, a lot of thoughts go through my mind whenever I, you know, hear, hear guys like Jordan talk about their parents, it's especially because it just makes me think about all the sports teams that I was on, my dad coached. One of the things that I've found as a father of three, one of the biggest challenges that I, I have as a father is adjusting the communication style and adjusting the the tone and how I engage with each of those three kids, right? Because they all have different interests. Some of them are more sensitive. Some of them respond differently you know, right now, my middle one, Renzo, he's definitely athletically gifted, which, you know, I can relate, you know, to because I'm just an active, outgoing, you know, I was pretty athletic, etc. But he is also at this age where, like, if he doesn't get it right away, he wants to quit. And he's like, I can't do it. And so, you know, it's trying to sort of figure out how do you relate to them at this younger age. And then my three-year-old, I mean, he, he could care less about anything related to sports right now. It's just for him, it's literally it's playing trucks, playing Thomas the Train. And, you know, we've had a lot more time to do that. And there's just 10 minutes, 15 minutes here and there where I try to find myself and catch myself just dialing it back and sitting down and just being on literally on his level physically and just spending time with him, whether it's playing outside in the dirt, et cetera. And that's not easy as a dad. Like you have to work at that. You have to be very intentional. You have to be present and you can read and think and study and meditate. And it still doesn't make it easy, especially when you're you know busy and trying to contribute and help and all the things that our wives talked about. <laughs> no doubt. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, a couple things to that to go off topic here. One is when you realize that you've got these these kids, I, I I couldn't imagine being in my parents' chairs, and now I I am, and my brother, who is he and I are, are two of the most competitive people I've you know I've ever been around, and he you know he is as talented uh, as of an athlete as there was he he and I constantly challenged each other, and were cats and dogs through our lives, and and it wasn't until adulthood that I think I know I really started to appreciate him for who he was and regretted some of the ways that I treated him, you know, because that competitiveness got the most of us. And I think as I look at my two boys, cause, cause my brother and I were 19 months apart to the day. My boys are 19 months apart to the day. God is, is laughing at me because he's giving me all the things that he gave my mother. God bless her because she put up with it. 
And I see this in my boys. They're so competitive with one another, but they need to be handled totally different. Ben is laser focused in his sports. He's a gifted kid talent from a, from an athletic standpoint. He's laser focused. I don't have to, to drive him or push him to do certain things. Andrew, on the other hand, my six-year-old, he is as competitive as they come, but he doesn't have the focus that Ben has. And that's not right or wrong. Like today we had this incredible moment where he told Margaret Ann yesterday that he wanted to race her because Margaret Ann was a track athlete in college and he wanted to race her around the track because he's now starting to realize he's as fast. He's faster than his brother, right? Or almost faster than his brother. Cause for every gift Ben has, one of them ain't speed. And, but Andrew does, Andrew's got these long legs like his mom. So we went out this morning and I had to tell Ben, this is not about you. This is about Andrew and mom. We went over to the school track and we kind of broke in the back gate and they went for a 400 meter. Margaret Ann and Andrew raced in a 400 meter today. And it was so awesome for me because while Ben wasn't loving it at the beginning, he got into it at the end. And even though the competitive nature came out in all four of us, we had a great time together and we were just able to balance how everybody worked together in that moment. And it was really a very special morning, a great way to start the day post Mother's Day. It was fun. That's great. What a good story. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, one of the things that has been heartbreaking for us, um, and I don't know how we're going to handle it, is Little League got officially canceled today. Our our spring season, which we thought may go into the summer, they decided they were going to officially cancel it. Hopefully there's going to be room for some spring ball and some travel ball, but uh, also Major League Baseball, man. There's a lot to talk about with Major League Baseball, and the, the conversation currently sits at there's a thought they may play July 4th. There's a lot of things that got to be figured out with the Players Association on when they go back for the quote-unquote spring training. But it's crazy, man. There's too many factors. Like, let's just play some sports. Yeah. I You know, baseball, I have a love-hate relationship. Hate's a strong word, so maybe that's not the right word. But I, I have a, a love frustration with Major League Baseball. I grew up playing baseball. I'm coaching Little League a couple of other superstar dads and all that. But to think that these highly paid major league baseball players are potentially, and I don't know, so you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you start reading about what needs to happen for these baseball players to take the field. And from every indication, one of the major issues is going to be, you know, how much of the salaries are these guys going to get? You know, is it going to be prorated? Is it going to be, you know, based on how many games they play? And, you know, Brad, when I start hearing that stuff and I think the unemployment number that came out on Friday was shocking. I mean, 14.7 percent unemployment, 20 and a half million people out of work, people literally dying. And hopefully, look, the the pandemic is, you know, we're, we're getting to contact tracing. We're getting to you know, more testing, we're getting to all these things. But to think that there's that many people that are out there hurting and these guys are going to, I'm I'm sorry, like nickel and dime over, like, am, am I getting 8 million or am I going to get my full, you know, well, so we're, we'll have to see again. I mean, 
I, I love taking the kids to the ballpark, especially, you know, here in Atlanta, because it's a beautiful, you know, the battery's just awesome. It's a great experience. But and I, I'm I'm really I'm really hoping that like cooler heads prevail and they step back and realize like, man, there's a lot of bigger issues in the world right now. And if we get to get out there and play a little baseball, like who cares? You know, um, yeah. and I know that's a shallow like I don't understand all the issues, but I just think that's going to be a really, really bad look for Major League Baseball coming off of a cheating scandal, <laughs> to say the least, if they don't play baseball um, and it's delayed one day longer than it needs to be over player salaries. Yeah, you know, I think a, a couple things. One is it's amazing when you look at how these athletes, how they have been, right, as it relates to their contracts. And, the, you know, the old adage of you never talk about somebody's money, you know, when you're in the sport. But all of us that are paying so much to go to these games and the TV money and all of that, it's it's incredible. You you look at actually in the last dance this week, the Scotty Pippen story about how when they gave the shot to Kukoc and, and he wouldn't get off the bench yeah. and how he was, he actually said he was bigger than the game. And he had that moment of realization that, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Jordan's not even playing. And he says, yeah, that was a, that was something that's going to live with him forever. It is something that will live with these baseball players forever. If they starve a sports starved community and a nation of not playing because they get into these labor disagreements. And I hope cooler heads prevail. I hope they realize sure. that there's a greater need for sports now because when George W. Bush takes the mound at Yankee Stadium post 9-11, that's a moment that this country will never forget. When they take the field on the celebration of our country's independence like planned, like that could be a moment that charts the next generation on how we handled this thing they have to think bigger than the game i understand yeah. their safety and all of that but they have to think bigger than the game with all of this so hopefully the the players do the right thing yeah it's going to be a story to watch right because you know baseball is one of those sports where look you grew up watching it with mom and dad or grandparent and then there's so many you know weird intricate rules about the game and there's the traditions of the game and so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks absolutely you know one of the things that's been the most interesting from a baseball standpoint for me and we've been watching a lot of it is espn's relationship with the kbo the korean baseball organization yeah. and i want to do a little analysis here in my own sports business world i want to know the brand impact that samsung lg dusan all these consumer brands that are the owners or the the main title partners of these KBO teams what does the value of the advertising that they're getting as a part of these ESPN relationship with KBO it's fascinating to me i'm sitting there watching the you know the Samsung Lions play the LG team and i'm like man every time they're turning around it's Samsung this and LG that the advertising equivalent of that has got to be extraordinary pretty fascinating yeah well, yeah, and I mean, just just go going back to the Jordan show. I mean, all the brands that are getting you know looks on that series, yeah, the the Gatorades, the McDonald's, the Nikes, the same thing playing out. I yeah, I think it would be really cool to to dig into that that data and kind of see what are the brand economics that are coming through from from all of those exposures. I guess yeah, yeah. there's a company out there, analytics company that that uh, does a lot of that type of work called Gum Gum Sports. So. 
maybe we need to dig into that on a future podcast. Oh yeah, Gum Gum and, and several others. I mean, you know, IEG's been doing it for decades. There's a lot of that type of data that I'll dig into that. Maybe we'll talk about that on a future episode. But as we keep our fingers crossed that MLB's coming back, we did have some live sports this weekend. UFC showed up. UFC had their first live event without fans in Jacksonville. A couple days before, they were in a little bit of a PR panic crisis with one of the main event participants getting COVID-19, testing positive for the coronavirus. Um, they kept the card. They, they continue to move forward with everything else. And everything that I have seen and read, and even in my own opinion, the production was phenomenal. I didn't miss the fans at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It might have set a standard for a lot of things, right? Testing and how you kind of do a production and the impact of not having fans in the stadium and, and the arena. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was obviously sorely needed in the sports world to just see the contact, you know, no pun intended. But, uh, yeah, the sense of normalcy and, and just the programming value of having these guys go at it. And the fights, like the cards themselves were really, really good relative yeah. to other UFCs because so many guys were, you know, like waiting and in training. So right. it was uh it was good value for people that did tune in. No doubt. And you know, one of the things I found the most interesting is how they solved for the integration of the fans. They tied social media into the broadcast and the production. And they had guys like Tom Brady chiming in and they were playing the social media feeds on the broadcast while they were through the fights and i thought that was great it's it's like that's something that probably never goes away mm. even if there are fans in the stands making noise you will probably tune in to every ufc in the future and they will have the social media thread playing so that you can see what others are talking about because not everybody sits on a second screen right you're watching it on one screen you may not have twitter up in the palm of your hand but if that feeds right there you've got my undivided attention I'm no longer yeah. on another device. It's brilliant from an advertising standpoint. Just fascinating the way that this 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 coronavirus is causing our industry to look at new and unique ways to create fan engagement, to create partner integration in an authentic way. And there are multiple things that are going to come out of this that will now change the way we consume sports forever, whether it be in the stands or without. Well, and UFC obviously has a, a little bit of a first-mover advantage, right? Because they did that card Saturday, and they've got a card Wednesday this week. They've got another card on Saturday. You know, look, until these other leagues come up with a plan, I mean, they might have an opportunity to just to continue to grow that business, grow that fan you know, base, grow that viewership, et cetera, yeah, in the absence of anything else to watch. <laughs> we had another pay-per-view for you know, Ben's gotten into wrestling, WWE and AEW, and we had another pay-per-view this weekend that he got all into, and there wasn't a fan to be seen. They actually did the entire pay-per-view at the WWE headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut, and they integrated the headquarter building, and it was all pre-recorded. The ability that they have to create a better product being pre-recorded again something to be said about how do they integrate that now in their overall production not just being live i mean you can't replace live audiences in a lot of instances but man we're finding out ways to to create some great programming so interesting to keep an eye on all of that something we may not see in the future <laughs> is our u.s women's national team playing as a unit under the uh the same organization their case did not get heard to uh get equal pay with the men's team um, and they're moving quickly to to get an appeal. What do you think about that? 
Well, I've been following this one. Um, I grew up playing a lot of soccer, and uh, obviously I have a girl. And, uh, you know, she's played soccer a couple times. Look, I mean, I think there's a lot of different things we could break down on this. At the end of the day, I mean, I don't know if you have watched the World Cup over the last, I don't know, call it 12, 16 years, Brad. Absolutely, but yep. Last time I checked, the men's team doesn't usually make it to the finals. Not getting there's out of pool play. better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, and I look, I love, I love the men's team. I mean, I love soccer and, uh, and obviously we're blessed here in Atlanta to have, you know, the United, I mean, it's just, it's pandemonium, but I'll tell you this, there's nothing better in America than watching the American athletes compete in the Olympics and watching the American soccer team play for the world cup. I mean, so just on the principle of winning and getting results. I just have a hard time understanding how the women's national team is not going to continue to see this case. It's going to march along. There's going to be more appeals. It's going to get tied up in the courts for a while. But look, I mean, in the court of pu public opinion, um, I think they've already won. So we'll have to see. I mean, Megan Rapino and some of the other star players, I, I just see them as you know, really having a pretty straightforward argument, maybe not so much from a legal standpoint and maybe not as much so from a financial standpoint until you, you step back and you look at it. I just, I'm hopeful that they get a better collective bargaining agreement and they get paid. You know, I think it's something to keep, in a, to keep a close eye on. We should talk about that quite often. Um, let's, let's make sure we check into this thing here as this thing goes forward. So it's interesting stuff. So Andres, Let's get into a little bit of biz dads talk, the biz part of the biz dads. You know, you obviously keep a very close eye on this and are so well read. It's fascinating to me to you know, see how some of these industries are being impacted. I was reading this week, the banking industry from a marketing standpoint is taking so many different approaches and a an industry that is at the heart of all of this with the SBA loans and whatnot, their marketing programs are all over the board. Their sponsorships, they're, they're the number one sponsor in the naming rights business in collegiate athletics and in most you know, major sports naming rights. Some of them are looking at getting out of those deals. Some of them are doubling down, standing behind them saying, this is something we're going to continue to do because it positively, it positively impacts our community. It's fascinating when you see that some of these brands are going to miss out on tens of millions of dollars of media that they have paid for. How Wintrust in Chicago, the iconic W that flies above the, the Wrigley scoreboard, how those things are, are going to be forever changed and how some of those banks can, can manage um, there, as they said in the article, there's no playbook for this. No, and there isn't. Every and single one of them is taking it differently. Yeah. I mean, marketing budgets within banks are, are being slashed pretty dramatically. I mean, if you look across the board and listen into the earnings calls for these financial institutions, you know, they're all in belt tightening mode. And you're seeing that manifested immediately in, in marketing budgets. So, you know, if you take a company like American Express, right, they have all these, you know, travel related cards and they do all this, you know, advertising tied to all kinds of of sports. You know, their CEO came out and uh, just basically said they're they're stopping all traditional advertising, marketing, sponsorships, any customer acquisition activities. You know, Discover Financial came out and they're cutting expenses 
by 400 million over the rest of this year. You know, big regional banks are reportedly cutting their spending by up to 90% in sponsorships and marketing. So, you know, I think it was last week we talked about the impact that the that the pandemic has had on the sports industry. And I think the figure coming out of the, the uh, report that ESPN commissioned from the University of Washington, St. Louis, uh, was around $12 billion. And, you know, you start to read into some of these areas where the cuts are happening in the hundreds of millions, and it starts to add up pretty quick. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of advertising on TV, Brad, like when we're not watching Netflix or, you know, some uh, pre-recorded content, like most of the advertising from the consumer facing companies right now is more tailored to kind of empathy and feeling good. And Well, the way marketing dollars are going to be spent is going to be a good indicator of how we are recovering because, it, you know, marketing is one of those things that is always the first to get cut. Right, it's the first to go. There's no doubt about it. CFOs love slashing those budgets. I've talked to a lot of brand executives, CMOs over the last you know eight month, eight weeks, and everybody's looking at it a little bit differently. You know, there's terrible job cuts that they're all facing, and I've got friends who have been been unemployed now for a couple of weeks, and who knows what happens with those jobs or those incredibly talented people get pulled back. But marketing is something that should be like the stock market: buy when it's low. You know, we need brands to step up and to get engaged. The most successful programs that you're seeing right now are sports teams that are finding ways for their brands to get engaged digitally, to leverage the affinity with that team, to leverage the affinity with those players, to create content that helps quench the thirst of those fans. And whether they be in the banking business or any business, there's got to be an association there. That authenticity is why sponsorship works. So... I hope brands can start to realize that they are truly a barometer for our economy. They are a barometer for the fansumer, we call them, the person who is engaged in what's happening in sports. There's going to be a saturation in a lot of people who, are, who have seen enough of those supportive campaigns. They are very much a necessity. And a brand who has got a TV buyout there that they can't get their money back on doesn't need to be throwing $10 off coupons at the consumer. So messaging is key, but finding out where to properly play that message and where to try to maintain some level of quote unquote normalcy in the, the way of the consumer. I mean, we got to find a way to start getting that message back out there. That's going to help jumpstart everything, in my opinion. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what's going on in the financial sector, um, some of the key things that have been going on this week. So, you know, last week, two big na uh, national retailers, Neiman Marcus and J. Crew, filed bankruptcy. This week, it was announced Gordman's, Beals, 557 stores around the country. They were struggling before the pandemic, but unfortunately, they're going through a liquidation. So they are selling everything. And once their store is open, they're just going to get rid of all the inventory. So, you, you know, what that means is just more jobs. And that's going to be the theme of this recovery is how quickly, you know, 20.5 million population of now unemployed uh, folks in America going to get back to work. The unemployment number that came out on Friday was just staggering. It was 14.7% unemployment. And just to give some frame of reference, you know, heading into the pandemic, we were below 4%. So, We'll have to see. I mean, the significant percentage of folks that are 
out of work or coming out of things like leisure, hospitality, service industries. And hopefully, you know, a large percentage of those people will come back. Um, but that's going to be a function of when, you know, states and and uh, cities open up and people get back to work. So, you know, not not great news on the uh, economic front. There was a couple of stories that I thought kind of made made the headlines that I thought were were worth sharing. The first of which is that Amazon has expressed interest in acquiring AMC Entertainment, which is the movie theater chain. Not a lot of people are going to movies right now, so AMC is definitely hurting. And, you know, Amazon's made a huge push into entertainment. They've made a huge push into into Hollywood. And so I don't think that AMC wants to be acquired. But look, Brad, I guess one of the questions is, what is Amazon not going to own in 10 years? I mean, it's just you saw them make the move into grocery, you, you know, buying Whole Foods. You, you're seeing them, you know, getting into financial services. They're clearly into the cloud in IT. I don't know. I mean, they're in entertainment. And so this will be an interesting one to watch, whether they ultimately prevail and if they really do seriously want AMC. I don't know. But there's more and more content that's skipping over the movie theater and it's going straight to your your TV. So I don't know that the theaters want that. But uh, but this is a bigger story with a lot of drama behind it that we'll have to see play out. Yeah, you know, I mean, you if we keep having Trolls World Tour type things that I paid $20 <laughs> for and thought I was buying it and realized I rented it, I'd rather go to the movie theater. <laughs> so I'm probably the minority there. But I mean, that that's that could be a trend that you see more of is direct to streaming blockbusters that you pay 20 bucks, the whole family sits down. It's cheaper. I mean, it's probably three to four times cheaper paying $20 to rent it for one day than it is to go to the movie theater with all four of us. It's something to keep an eye on. But to your point, you know, I, I love Amazon. I'm a very loyal Amazon customer. I think Amazon Prime is the greatest thing I've abused over my dadhood here over the last couple of years. I'll have to tell you a whole story about all the crazy things I've had Prime now delivered um, within two hours, including a karaoke machine for a uh, dinner party. But I love the old shops. I've been going to our local feed and seed. I hit up our local Vickery's hardware. You know, some of those things, I really hope they survive. But if one corporation gobbles up another corporation, you don't have your hometown movie theaters anymore like you used to. I don't mind those kinds of acquisitions from Amazon. But man, I hope that the mom and pops can can survive this and that 10 years from now, they're still kicking. They're still employing local people and Amazon hasn't taken that thing over, Amazon or Walmart. Yeah, no question. Endeavor Group Holdings, or simply Endeavor, Brad, you know this company, oh, yeah. um, and I know you know a lot about this this uh, this industry. So formerly known as you know William Morris Endeavor, WME, WME, IMG, they're privately held. I thought it was interesting. They went out and, and secured financing. Look, their business is off 70%, given the lack of entertainment, and um, so they went out and secured new financing um, over a quarter of a billion dollars. Now they're paying steeply for it over 11%, but they believe it'll get them time to kind of bridge them to reattempting an IPO. And I, I, you know, when I was growing up, like one of the classic sports kind of entertainment movies that came out was Jerry Maguire. And there was a, a minute there where I wanted to be an agent. And so this whole WME, the, the mystique of the talent entertainment field and world, and now how it's intersecting with Wall Street, I'm going to follow it just because I want to understand more about what drives that business. And obviously, representation, talent representation is a big part of it. But there's a lot of other moving parts. And one of the things we're going to do on a future show 
is we're going to get into kind of the intersection of Wall Street and sports and Wall Street and entertainment happening in, um, in esports and in other areas that I think our audience will appreciate getting kind of to peek under the hood at. Yeah, look, I'm, it's, a, it's a very interesting story to follow because these are brilliant people who run these businesses for the most part. And I've had the pleasure of working with a tremendous amount of them. Being that they've gone into more debt, what will be interesting to see is who then steps up to buy them again. Because what ultimately happens is these businesses get traded to the next private equity group or you know venture capitalist who wants to be in the industry. Some of the deals are being restructured across sports in the multimedia rights space and the media rights space because of the way the business has been hit. College athletics is going to be a perfect example of that. We've got to keep a close eye on how universities and multimedia rights holders are working together. We all need to work together to survive, right? That's the moral of this whole story. There's got to be a plan for how to repay the debt. And there's got to be, go back to the brands. There's got to be brands that are willing to to get engaged and pay a little more than maybe they, they, they would have before. But that's going to be the case for all of us. Yeah, and Endeavor is look is one of many companies that got loaded up with debt, private equity backed, Silver Lake, you know, invested and backed the company and everything really had to go well for that company. Uh, obviously, they probably, like many companies, had no game plan for a pandemic and certainly haven't been able to to sort of get back on their feet as as quickly given the the business they're in. But we are going to really see companies uh, loaded up on debt and nothing against the private equity industry. That's the business model, right? You put debt on the business and uh, and then, you know, you take out dividends and, and distributions and uh, and then look to, you know, exit to a strategic or financial or into the IPO market. So there's going to be more of these that are going to fail. Not that Endeavor will, but there's going to be more of these companies that are private equity backed that have to go through restructurings and have to um, take on more debt it just creates a, a, a bigger hill to climb and puts LPs in jeopardy. Not that these investments will go to zero, but there's a lot of companies that are definitely paying the price, if you will, for taking on excess leverage. And now more than ever, we're just going to need smart leadership, which I think you know a lot of these companies have. The sports industry has, uh, I've always joked, has had one foot in the business community, one foot in la-la land. And um, we've got a get more business focused with the way some of these things are, are being structured and how some of these deals get get created. And I think people are getting wiser. These types of things coming off of, obviously, the, the recession in, in 08, having this incredible market and now this big kick to the gut, we are going to have to kind of recenter and make sure we keep a close eye on all of it. All right, Andres, it's time for this week's parenting fail. And you, my friend, are the storyteller here. Give us a good parenting fail for the week. I've got a good one. Uh, many of of the folks listening are probably aware of the news that came out last week. Ahmad Arbery uh, was a young African American man that lived in Brunswick, Georgia. On fifth third, he was out for a jog, and there was a confrontation, and uh, and he was shot and killed. There was a hashtag I run with Mod kind of movement that that started building on social media, and so. People documented their, you know, 2.23 mile runs on Friday using that hashtag. My wife and the kids, you know, Heidi and I, we had dinner Friday night and it was raining and it was getting dark. And at like eight o'clock after, you know, dinner, I was like, let's go. And I start my, you know, my watch and I'm on using the, the Nike, you know, the Nike app and I'm tracking the miles and it starts raining and then it gets out and we 
home and we are literally at 2.22 miles and my phone gives out. And so <laughs> I say to Heidi, I'm like, I got to finish. And she's like, just get the kids to bed, give them a bath. Like they're soaking wet. You can finish that later. And I'm like, no, I got to finish. Well, I had to charge my phone. So what started out is I think a well-intentioned, you know, teach, show the kids a lesson and do this thing ended up taking an, you know, an additional twist and a turn phone finally got charged up. Then I couldn't get a signal. We finally got back outside. It's pouring rain. We got the 2.23. We got the photo. We come back inside. Heidi's not happy. My kids are like, you know, what was this all about? Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, look, it was, it was something that we wanted to do. I, I wanted to help the kids to understand a little bit. They're so little, but, you know, a little bit about, you know, some of the things that have happened. And yeah. so that was the parenting fail of the week. Lesson learned, charge your phone, have a backup. Heart goes out to him and his family, and we'll have to see how that case unfolds over the next, you know, few weeks and months. Yeah, well, you know, you took a tough situation and just whether it's that or anything, we try to teach our kids. We don't always have the execution that we look for. I see that all <laughs> the time in my life. But uh, that'll be probably the moral of many, many parenting fails. And, you know, a, a very topic of, of conversation that a lot of people are, are emotionally connected to. We'll see what happens. And I think there's a lot more to, to come um, from all of that. So thanks for sharing. <laughs> all right. This week's Final Four, let's jump into which sport are you looking forward to coming back the most? Twist, what you got? Uh, it has to be college football. You know, I've been raised for college football is in the fall. I went to Clemson. Saturdays are for watching my team and watch my team win a lot. And I truly cannot imagine an entire fall without tailgating, or cheering on my team. Like, what am I going to do on a Saturday? I am speechless. Stop. I think we got some good things coming. I think there's a couple people who have some plans in place. I think you'll get your college football. Andres, what about you? Without question, because they just won the Super Bowl, um, and Patrick Mahomes, our stud quarterback, was just named um, the consensus favorite to win his second NFL MVP. I'm going NFL. NFL. So football for the win thus far. Look, I think from a personal standpoint, I will. I I love my Browns. I love the NFL. I love my Georgia Bulldogs. I want college football back. From a business standpoint, I'm glad our partners at Major League Fishing are coming back strong in uh, in June. But uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing some things that you know, like a little golf. I, you know, I, I love my programming on a Sunday afternoon. You know, I really miss that time. That's always usually my chill time. So I'll go more immediate here. And I'm looking forward to things like the match coming up, a little Tiger Phil. We're going to have to talk about the match. Tiger Phil, Brady yep. Manning. It's going to be a great, great showdown. Can't wait for that. The trash talk has already been strong. You know, and then I think, uh, you know, for for the fourth of our final four, man, I got to have Little League Baseball back, DJ. Yeah, I know, right? That's always the highlight of the summer. And now that our boys are old enough, it's going to be a different summer not being able to see these guys, you know, out there playing. And that's, you know, you see the joy at that age, right? And uh, they're not arguing over pay and all this stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully next summer it'll be back. No doubt. Well, hey, another great episode of Biz Dads. Looking forward to uh, having some more great guests on and a special thanks to our amazing guests today. 
the beautiful Heidi Sindate and the beautiful Margaret Ann Olecki. Can't do this without them. Twist, thanks for spending the night with us. Appreciate your uh, your input as always. DJ, looking forward to my Friday night spin session with you on Facebook, man. I'll be there. Biz Dads, stay strong out there. We'll see you soon.